the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins. This is episode 17 on our carbon-free journey through the issues that are dominating more headlines today than at any other time in our history. Who knows what impact these podcasts have on the powers that be, but the side to the business secretary sweating in the House of Commons the other day could be a bit of a clue. At least we hope so. If you're unaware of what we do here, here's an explainer. This series is essentially about the views, campaigns and inner thoughts of one man. Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist, built his success in the green energy sector, the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and also the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Each episode, of course, we bring you the dominating issues from the biggest agenda on the planet right now, the environment and climate change. And hello to you, Dale. And I guess we should start with incredible news this week, that the UK has been coal-free for two months. That is big news because it's like... um the first time since the Industrial Revolution that our electricity supply has been coal-free for so long. And we've yeah. been saying this now like uh, every week for two months because, you know, first it was a month and then it was five weeks and it was six weeks. And the longer it goes on for, uh, you know, every time it happens, every every new day is a new record, actually. Uh, but it is amazing. And obviously the big question is, can we stay that way? You know, what can we do to make sure coal doesn't come back? And, uh, and and in that respect, I think we're aided currently by the lockdown and uh, and it'll really be a question of uh, at what speed and in which way we come out of the lockdown, uh, you know, around sure. the end of the summer. So j- just explain them for, for those who are just kind of coming in onto this discussion, uh, not aware of how we get our energy. You know, if you had to break that down into a pie chart, coal was once there. It isn't anymore, for, well, at least for the last two months. It's bound to make a grim return at some level. But what makes up the other component parts of how we fuel this country? Yeah, coal used to be the biggest um, source of uh, electricity in, in our country. And uh, before the lockdown, renewables had grown to be just over 30%. When I began in the early 90s, it was about 3%. And it was all big oh. hydro from just after the Second World War. So it wasn't like the new renewables that we know of today. And uh, I don't know what part coal had before the lockdown. It wasn't big. It had been shrinking for a long time. Sure. I'm going to guess between 10 and 20%. Nuclear sits at around 20 to 25%. And then gas uh, plays a major role in the middle. So coal has been falling out of favor for quite a while. We passed peak coal a very long time ago. Sure. Um, right now we're at zero. And, and you know, the question in my mind, a lot of other people is... Um, when can we uh, get it to stay at zero? Yeah. And is it just coal? I mean, it, everything else gets the green light. Is it just coal we should be concerned about? Well, it's just the dirtiest way to make electricity. Uh, well, if you discount diesel, which <laughs> plays a role, but very much mm. on the margins, and that needs to stop. But it's the dirtiest way to make electricity. Gas is far cleaner, still a fossil fuel, still a driver of climate change, and so still a problem. Uh, but it's a question of uh, choosing the least bad options as we transition to 100% renewable. And now, as we go forward, when we talk about renewable energy, what, what primarily is at the top of that list then? 
it's wind energy. Uh, wind energy offshore and onshore uh, are playing a big role. Solar has played an, an amazing role in the last few years, the rate at which it's grown. And, you know, the potential in our country, uh, in onshore wind only, we have enough resource uh, if you screen out all of the places you can't put wind so it's a practical resource to power the whole country four times over in offshore it's more again in solar if you do the same screening exercise we have enough solar potential to power the country about eight times over so uh, between the wind and the sun we have more than enough land and resource to power the electricity we need entirely from renewables what would it take then um, to, to put in place the infrastructure required to do both of those things. Uh, I mean, in, well, the, in, in, give us an idea of the size of what that project would look like. Well, the technology exists, um, and it's being mass-produced. It's economic. Uh, it's reliable. Uh, we need um, a smart grid to enable 100% to happen. So our current grid is a little bit dumb. It's kind of reactive. But we need a grid that balances intelligent demand with generation that's coming technology is enabling it grid scale battery storage is a big part of that but in other respects the renewables technology we need is there what mm. we need is for the government to step in and change the playing field yeah. at the moment we put twice as much money into supporting fossil fuels as we do renewable energy we need to immediately reverse that and actually ramp down fossil fuel subsidies get rid of them completely and then we need some positive planning rules for renewable energy at the moment fossil fuels are prioritized uh, and and renewables are not that's the subject of a legal challenge that we've brought against the government in the last few weeks um, so it's really stuff that the government can do it's a question of where we spend public money and what rules we set for planning at the moment all of that holds renewables back if we change that the tech exists the companies are there waiting to build it um, and we can get to 100 percent. i would say in 10 years time yeah so was thatcher ahead of her game then when it came to head, coal. Ahead of her time. <laughs> yeah, ahead, in, in a curious way, for different reasons. But. Yeah, sometimes you can be right for the wrong reason, can't yeah. you? Uh, so she was against coal, I think, because of the power cuts in the 70s where the unions held the country to ransom and she wanted to break that. Uh, she, I don't think it was about environmental issues. No, it was, it but, was the, but the upshot amounted, or, or sort of amounts to something... I would say right for the wrong positive. reasons. For the, yeah, for right the wrong, for wrong reasons, indeed. Yeah. Uh, so he also liberalised the energy industry, actually. Uh, you know, privatised it and liberalised it. And that enabled ecotricity to come into being in the mid-90s. It was possible for the first time to be an independent electricity company amongst the state monopolies that had just been privatised. Wow. Um, so she did, uh, let's say she did two good things. You're going to be wearing a blue rosette soon, Dale. I can see this. Uh, I can see this come. I've got your Christmas yeah. gift all worked out. I'm um, nearly old enough for a blue <laughs> Here's a question from Christine on Facebook. I'm going vegan. Any tips on cheese replacements? There was a couple of areas, isn't there, when people consider changing their diet to you know, whether it's vegetarianism to start with and then going vegan. There's a couple of areas where the, these question marks come up, and cheese seems to be one of them. Yeah, cheese and bacon, I yeah. reckon. Uh, yeah. You hear about that, you know, something that people are quite uh, quite addicted to, let's say, attached to. But cheese does come up quite often. And uh, I'm not like a massive cheese fan, but um, I saw this question coming five minutes ago, and I, so I did some quick research. I sent an email to my partner because I know we've got some great alternative cheese in the fridge. And one of them is a cheddar made with coconut oil. And, and it's just amazing. And uh, so I've got it sat in front of me uh, on my screen. It's actually an Ocado-owned brand. 
free okay. from cheddar style. But the other one that we're really loving is London Fresh, Mouse's favorite camembert. And honestly, it's amazing. It's so uh, like a camembert in texture sure. and, and everything, and it's entirely free from dairy. Let's say I'm not a big cheese fan. Uh, so if you're a proper cheese fan, you may find them slightly different to the original, but I find them amazing. Nice. Um, we'll come on to Trump in a moment um, for a couple of reasons, but because uh, Trump's always in a bit of a Twitter storm. Um, and, and you were in a Twitter storm this week as, as well, Dale, because there was a piece in the uh, the Daily Mail uh, where you kind of upset some Tranmere fans. Is that about right? Yeah, that would be about right. Yeah. And um, my crime was to uh, share my opinion on social media. Hey, who does that? <laughs> um, but it was in, in respect of something that was bothering them. So the, obviously the season ended prematurely uh, for mm. football. And um, there was a lot of discussion amongst the EFL about how to judge promotion and relegation places, given that we weren't going to play the last 10 games. And, and Tramir were in the relegation zone, and the proposal by the EFL would have seen them relegated to League Two, which is not the end of the world, but uh, I guess it was to some of them. And they produced this very complicated proposal uh, with, a, with a, some, I would say, statistical manipulation, came up with an idea to uh, create something they call margin of error, uh, plus or minus eight points, which basically, anyway, the end game was, lo and behold, Tranmere was saved. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Well, they, they came up with a way to make them win the league, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but they, <laughs> but they avoided relegation. And, uh, yeah. and I simply said I thought that it, was a, it was a wrong idea. Shouldn't happen. Uh, you know, bad for football. And, um, yeah, they didn't like it. But there was a big vote that day of, yeah. uh, of, of the clubs in the EFL on about five different proposals, actually, because there were two or three from other clubs that also, um, you know, were particularly addressing the interests of those other clubs. You know, there was some self-interested proposals in there. And the boards was the best one. It won. Everything else was turned down handsomely. And, uh, and the board proposal won. So, you know, common sense prevailed is what I said on uh, on Twitter. And, yeah, they didn't like that. But, you know. The, da the uh, Daily Mail uh, quoted you as saying, can't wait to descend on your tin pot village again. That's what they said, not me. Oh, they said that. <laughs> right, OK, that was their, resp <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was their response to you. That's what they said. My response was, it'll be the highlight of your season, I reckon. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm just having a bit of banter with them. Some of them got a bit uh, nasty, you know, uh, rude words, threats and that kind of stuff. But, yeah. uh, and then the next day, I got uh, a couple of lovely uh, Facebook messages from Tramir fans saying, look, uh, you know, uh, that's not us. Uh, you know, we support what you're doing. And, uh, and it was just nice. I mean, you know, there are good people out there. Uh, football's no different to life in general, you know. Uh, you, you get the odd extremist on social media. Yeah, Kenny says, keep your nose out of my club's business, thanks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks, told Kenny, off by Kenny. Listen, it's everybody's <laughs> business what happens in the EFL, Kenny. That's true enough. That's true enough. Here's a question. Um, I saw you posted a picture of Trump in a KKK mask. Are you sick? <laughs> That's Martin on Facebook asked this. <laughs> well, look, one of us is, uh, you know, me or Trump. So uh, I'm going to leave you to decide which one of us is. Yeah. Uh, which is a timely moment in that case to have our Donald Trump clip of the week. Equal justice under the law must mean that every American receives equal treatment in every encounter with law enforcement, regardless of race, color, gender, or creed. They have to receive fair treatment from law enforcement. They have to receive it. We all saw what happened last week. We can't let that happen. 
Hopefully, George is looking down right now and saying, this is a great thing that's happening for our country. This is a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. Now, even by his standards, Dale, I mean, where was he going with that? What, what is the I, thinking of the man? You know, Donald Trump has introduced us to a kind of new reality during his presidency. He's turned uh, logic on its head. He argues black is white accuses other people of doing exactly what he does himself. But I think this was the clip of his presidency. I have no idea what he thought he was he was doing when he said that. It was just a, a man who's just been murdered will be looking down saying it's a great day because yeah. they've got some jobs back in the market. Yeah. If that's I've got what a funny exactly feeling that George Floyd wouldn't be thinking that somehow. <laughs> oh, he's he's crazy. And, and, you, know, <laughs> the, the you can almost see better, him kind of the psychology, the cogwheels turning as he's sort of riffing his way through this disaster. Um, and it, it, it's kind of everybody around him. You, it's where you want the cartoonist to draw the air bubbles and the comments of what they must be thinking, because there's several people surrounding him as he's saying this. They must mm. be dying inside. <laughs> You'd hope. They deserve to be uh, if they're still around him and supporting him. I do think that it's part of his tactic in politics, which is to to be outrageous and to divide people, to be divisive. And, uh, you know, it, it plays up to a, a certain element of, mm. of the American population, his supporters. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's stoking up his base. That's sure. all he can do. He's, he's, got, he's got nothing else. Well, on a related theme, I mean, let's get your view on Black Lives Matter, because, uh, of course, this is all about protest. And we, we've both spoken about how the, the almost the sheer democratic beauty of protest and you know it, it's what makes us all civil in a, an interesting way and we know that you know there are pockets of people that go off script and uh, and no one wants to see that but broadly speaking what are you making of what has happened in the last couple of weeks not just you know across the world in this country too yeah well obviously it started in america and uh, the trump in a kkk mask was uh, was was linked to that I, I put up some thoughts on facebook and then we stuck this picture up uh, with a caption, this is Trump jumping out of his chopper saying, uh, you know, Trump leaves the White House without first checking the mirror. That was uh, that was our joke. And, um, you know, I've just been looking at what's happening in America, the militarization of the police force there, the, the tens of billions that they've been spending on military-grade weapons uh, since the pullout from Iraq, um, mine-proof people carriers, yeah. uh, assault rifles, um, grenade launchers, and bayonets. I mean, you know, these police forces up and down uh, America over the last few years have just turned into paramilitary uh, operations. And, uh, you know, the, the idea has been that the, the more hardware they have, the safer they can keep people. But there was a study released last week in America that shows that the most militarized police forces are killing twice as many people as the least. And that was after adjusting for social factors. Um, and there's like a, one of the good things for me coming out of this was the call to defund the police. I think it could only happen in America, and it's quite amazing. But local communities and politicians are saying, look, uh, you know, we've been sold a lie. All of this mm -hmm. money being spent on policing doesn't protect us. It does the opposite. So let's reduce budgets of the police and actually spend it on the issues that the community needs to address, um, uh, which I think is amazing. Uh, more generally... I think the protest, uh, you know, it is incredible, but, you know, the racism being faced in America uh, is also, it exists here as well, no doubt about it. It's to a lesser degree, but I was reading in The Guardian 
couple of days ago, a forensic reconstruction of uh, Mark Duggan. Uh, you know, he was surrounded and shot by 11 armed police officers in London, and, and then they found a gun seven metres away, which they claimed he threw, but none of them could remember seeing him throw it as he was shot. And, um, you know, this reconstruction says basically the conclusion of the inquest into his death was uh, was false. I mean, wow. it wasn't possible to reach that conclusion based on the evidence. And so it exists here in Britain as well. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot to do. Uh, I saw the statue of Colston pulled down in Bristol and, and just thought that was brilliant, actually. I mean, Bristol has a, has a road named White Ladies Road. And I, I used to, uh, when I first came to Bristol, wonder what, what the hell that was all about. But, of course, it's rooted back in, in the days of slave trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it's interesting. the The lads that pulled the the statue down. I mean, this they'd clearly gone on to Wikipedia the day before, say, to look up how do you pull a statue down? Because this was this wasn't just some tow rag that pitched up with a rope. I mean, this was military precision stuff. They knew how to attach it. They knew what to do, the right force to employ, where to stand so the thing doesn't topple up on top of your head. Uh, it was a military in incredible operation. Well, I didn't know that. But one thing I did notice is that uh, a certain amount of, let's say, hand-wringing and complaining by conservative politicians and media commentators about about this being an act of violence and you know going beyond uh, what they could accept, which was peaceful demonstration and stuff like that. And as somebody pointed out, we didn't hear that when the statue of Saddam Hussein was pulled down by American troops. Mm didn't hear that at all did we so the pulling down of statues seems to have a place in some people's eyes and yeah. uh, and um, it wasn't in bristol the statue of a slave trader just a final question uh tian by email says any chance of a uh, a time of day tariff for ecotricity soon can you explain the yeah. question first uh, yeah time of day tariffs are a fairly new idea and um, they're only really possible because of the advent of smart metering. So in electricity and gas, uh, let's say at the moment, predominantly the meters are dumb. Um, they need to be read manually. They get read periodically. And the, um, the actual shape of your consumption, if you were to graph it, let's say daily, uh, is imposed by the industry. There's a, like a national average. So it doesn't matter when you use power. Uh, the industry tells you when you used power. Um, smart meters change all of that because they provide half-hourly readings and, and uh. your actual shape of consumption uh, matters and therefore can be applied to your cost of energy. There are different times of the day when energy is, is cheaper than others um, and certain events can influence that, like a, a windy day, for example, now that we have so much renewable energy. And so time-of-day tariffs are, are for people with smart meters and for people that can flex the time at which they use energy uh, in, in accordance with the peaks and troughs of price on the grid. And there's not much demand for them in the country at the moment, and I don't think they will suit everybody, but they mm. make some sense, absolutely. And we've got one coming, definitely. Uh, we're just a little bit preoccupied at the moment, swapping billing systems and um, obviously dealing with the lockdown and stuff sure. like that. If I were predicting, I would say uh, come autumn, we should be doing something. Ah, so not that far away. Good work. Dale, we'll speak to you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks, Ian. That was fun. That was it for this one. Don't forget, of course, subscribe for free from your podcast provider so you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review too. Send your questions in. Best way to do that via social media. So make sure you follow Dale on Twitter, twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll see you on the next episode. Zero carbon. East off.